You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions in the comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as possible. So here we are. We're in the middle of the three-week period. We talked a lot about it last week. As we've discussed, it's the saddest part in the Jewish calendar, a time to reflect, to remember about the destruction. We talked last week um, why it's important to dwell on the past and how that's going to help me in the future. So if you didn't listen to those shows, for sure go back and listen. And we didn't get into it yet. Hopefully we'll get into it. A lot of it was caused by baseless hatred, which is really why the almost always the first Torah portion in the, of the three weeks, it was the first Shabbos in the three weeks, um, I believe almost always, not always, but almost always, is this week's Torah portion, the Torah portion of Pinchas. Because Pinchas is the lesson of love. And Pinchas is actually a very fascinating person to learn about love from because first got to go back to what happened in last week's Torah portion. So in last week's Torah portion, the, the Moabites um, had tried to hire Bilaam to curse the Jewish people. Uh, God didn't let. Bilaam goes home. But Balak has planned to, using advice that Bilaam had given him, now we touched on it last week, and that was that the the Midyani girls made themselves more than available and enticing, and they had many Jewish men sleep with them, and they know that God hates immorality, and it started a plague. Now, fascinating, the leader of the tribe of Shimon, I guess, was trying to put an end to the plague, but in a very, very strange way. He goes to Moses, he takes a Midiani princess, and he goes to Moses and he says, can I sleep with this lady or not? If you say I can't, you married a girl from Midian. So again, exactly what, his name was Zimri. Exactly what was he trying to accomplish? There's a plague going on. People are dying because there's idol worship going on. There's immorality going on. So telling Moses that you married a Midiani girl and you're comparing that to Zimri sleeping with a Majani girl, seems to not be a very good connection. Furthermore, Moses was pre-Mount Sinai when there was really no Jewish people. Right? There was nothing forbidden. And the likelihood is that Moses explained, like Abraham explained before him, that you want to marry, there's nobody Jewish so you want to marry somebody, okay, make sure she doesn't do idol worship, make sure she's kind. But being Jewish doesn't really exist till the Torah is given. So what exactly was Zimri trying to accomplish? Now, I'm not actually looking to answer that question today. That's a question for another day. But that's what happens. So Moses doesn't answer. He keeps quiet. And Zimri goes back to his tent. In the meanwhile... 
Pinchas. Pinchas is Aaron HaKohen, Aaron the priest's grandson. So there's Aaron, there's his son Elazar, who becomes the next high priest after Aaron dies. Actually, um, Aaron did die already. That was in the Torah portion of Chukas a couple weeks ago. And this is Elazar's son, Pinchas. And Pinchas goes to Moses and says, isn't there a rule that if a, if a Jewish person is sleeping around with a non-Jewish lady, you can go kill the person if you're a zealot? So Moses says the person who came up with the uh, idea should carry through on the idea, meaning Moses didn't feel he was on that level of being a zealot. It would have been taken that he was just revenging an insult. So therefore, he was not in a position to carry through on that law. So Moses says to Pinchas, you do it. So Pinchas goes into the area of, of Simon, of Shimon. He takes a spear with him. A lot of miracles take place because, like, why would the tribe of Shimon let somebody else come into their area with a spear and pick it up? And he actually killed Zimri and this Cosby, this princess of Midian, while they were sleeping together. Everybody saw it, and that ended the plague. So generally speaking, when we think of killing, I don't think we imagine killing as a sign of, of love. Um, now let's take this a little further just to get the story. So this week's story portion starts out that God tells Moses that Pinchas fought my fight. He, right, he was the one that stood up for me. He was that true zealot. And therefore, he has, to be relate, he has to be rewarded. He will have a treaty of peace. So first of all, it means he doesn't have to worry about any of the brother-in-laws coming after him. Um, he also going to have a long life because since there was a plague going on and people were dying, and he caused that plague to end. So therefore, as a measure for measure, you caused people not to die. You caused people to live. So therefore, you're going to live a long life. But where's the love? Furthermore, we have to also think about it. Many, many, if not all the high priests, not all, but many, many high priests are going to come from Pinchas, which is fascinating because Aaron, Hakohen, right? Aaron the priest, that's what he was known for. He was a, a man of peace. He loved everybody. And he used that love to help everybody become better. But you know, there's, there's Aaron's way of doing it, right? If there's a problem, let me talk to you. I'll talk to this one, talk to that one, try to work it out, try to fix things. And then there's Pinchas' way of doing it, where there's a problem, I'm going to go kill somebody. So exactly how does Pinchas' way turn into love? So that is really the question that I think we need to focus on. The other thing I think it's interesting to note that... Um, Pinchas is not going to have a lot of friends. And I was throughout Pinchas's life, um, he seems to be a loner because a person in his position who's fighting for God, you're going to have people with complaints, with, uh, with saying, you're not good enough. Who do you think you are? So, for example, um, the Torah gives me the lineage of Pinchas at the beginning of the Torah portion. Why? Because people claim, so interesting people, people are fascinating. In case you didn't know that, People are very, very fascinating. What do I mean? Here, Pinchas goes ahead and he stops a plague. So you would think that everybody should applaud his effort. Obviously, he knew what to do. He obviously got it right. Right? People are dying. 24,000 people die. Pinchas kills somebody, and now it's over. 
Sounds like that was a good idea. What do people say? Oh, Pinchas, who do you think you are? You think you're a real zealot? You're a, you can't possibly be a real zealot. Look who your grandparents were. Now, Pinchas has two, like everybody, mother and father, there's two lines of lineage. Obviously, one of those lines of lineage went back to the great Aaron Akkoin, to the great Aaron the priest. But on the other side, he was related actually to Jethro, to Yisro, who had served idols. So people were saying, Pinchas, why do you think you have within you to be that perfect zealot, that person that has, that is, that only cares about God? There's no any, there's no ulterior motives at all. Why do you think that's you? You don't come from a good enough stock, which is really fascinating, right? Like, why can't he become that great person? But. Instead, that people after he saved them from this plague, right? He saves them from the plague, and still people are saying, "You're not really so good. You think you're so good. You're really not so good. You shouldn't have done it. It was wrong of you to do it." So Pinchas is going to deal with this um, almost like separation that he is not really um, like everybody else. Now, but let's take it further. It would seem that that eventually Pinchas does figure it out at the very end, maybe more than once. First of all, um, Pinchas is involved in creating peace between the tribes two different times, interesting enough. One is there were some issues between those living across the Jordan, Reuben and God and half of uh, the tribe of Manasseh, and there was uh, some issues between the tribes, and Pinchas comes and he smooths things over. And the second time he smooths things over was when there was a civil war between the tribe of Benjamin and everybody else. We've talked about this in the past. The story is called Pelegish Begiva. There was a city in Benjamin, and the people over there um, um, raped somebody's concubine, and, and she was killed, and, and the other tribes wanted retribution, and the tribe of Benjamin said, mind your own business, we'll take care of it. And it actually led to a civil war where many, many tens of thousands were actually killed on both sides, and the tribe of Benjamin was almost wiped out. But in the end, Pinchas was able to create peace. So that's great on a sort of global. But the question is, was he able to do it on an individual level, which is really what the goal is supposed to be? And what's fascinating about that is Pinchas lives a very, very long time. He lives minimum 400 years because we see him coming up a few times um, in the prophets. So it's him. So we know he lives a long time. But some say, not everybody, but some say he became Elijah the prophet, which is a fascinating character in history that why should this Pinchas become Elijah the prophet? Um, And part of it is that both Elijah and Pinchas have a certain trait, and that trait actually comes from Isaac. It's the trait of judgment it's the trait of willing to be a sacrifice. In other words, when somebody like Pinchas is willing to be a zealot, you understand you could get killed. As when Pinchas was going to kill Zimri, if somebody would have killed Pinchas, that would have been okay. Because I see you trying to kill somebody, I can protect that person, I could kill you. And, and you lose. As part of being a zealot is that you might be sacrificing your life. You say you're doing it for God, very good. 
Don't do it for God. So you only care about God. You only want to make God happy. You only want to do what God wants. You want to show people. You have a certain way of doing it. And there's no ulterior motives. All very beautiful. But you could get killed doing it. You can't go protect yourself from the person who wants to kill you because that means it's, you have other motives over here. Right? So Pinchas was willing to be sacrificed. Elijah the prophet, by the way, the same. So the, so they have that trait, just like Isaac was willing to be sacrificed to serve God. So Tupinchas is also willing to be sacrificed to serve God. If that's what it's going to take, then that's what he's willing to do, which is, again, something that's uh, above and beyond what most of us relate to. So we have the story with Elijah the prophet where the... Um, Elijah was going, I guess, to Menachem There was a, a man who rebuilt Jericho. You're not allowed to rebuild Jericho. And the verse in Joshua says, if you're going to rebuild Jericho, so when you put down the foundation, the oldest son will die. You put in the windows, the last son will die. So the leaders of the Jewish world were going to comfort this man who rebuilt Jericho, who watched all his kids die, right? He knew about Joshua's curse, and he didn't care. It's, again, People are fascinating. If you believe something, you could be totally wrong. And you can watch how you're wrong, but you don't care. Which is, again, which is something I find fascinating how people don't just stop and say, obviously this is wrong, let's, uh, let's change direction, but uh, that's people. That's what makes people interesting. So when Elijah went to comfort him, um, King Ahav was there. So Ahav says to, King Ahav says to Elijah, he says, eh, what's going on over here? Joshua gives a curse, comes true. Moses gives a curse and nothing happens. Moses said, hey, you can do idol worship. And King Ahav was big into idol worship and spreading it. He said, there won't be rain in the land of Israel. Well, we, we, we are a powerful country. We got rain. We got everything we need. So Elijah says, okay, is that what you want? No more rain. It does not rain for the next three years. There is no water in the land of Israel. Ahav is sending soldiers and messengers around the world, because he controlled the world, looking for Elijah, looking to kill him because of what he was doing. Um, so after three years, God basically uh, takes away that ability from Elijah. He's going to have to get back to the water. He's going to have to, because he has to bring something back to life. Let's, I don't want to get into all those details right now. And Ahav goes, is, is searching, and Elijah makes himself uh, known to Ahav. And he says, uh, Ahav says, you are this one that's hurting the Jewish people. And Elijah says, not me. And I, I am just defending God. So again, you see Elijah's on one side. And everybody else could be on the other side. But he wants to do what he feels is what God wants. So that's when they go to Mount Carmel. And you have the 400 who serve the idol. And they're bringing their sacrifice. Elijah brings his sacrifice. And the fire comes down. Elijah sacrifice. And everybody says, okay, we believe in God. And so Elijah's goal is to defend the Jewish people. He's looking to help the Jewish people. That is what he does. What's fascinating is in the next part of the story, in the very next part of the story, um, Elijah tells God, you know, I've been trying to defend the Jewish people and I can't defend them anymore and they don't deserve to be defended. Like as soon as Elijah says that, so first of all he has to get a replacement. So God sends him to Elisha. And because Elijah told God 
that the Jewish people forsook his covenant, so God says the Jewish people are not so bad. The Jewish people are actually amazing. But, Elijah, because you complained to say they don't keep the covenant, the word covenant and bris are the same word, so uh, after you die, but Elijah doesn't really die, he goes up to heaven in that fiery chariot, so he's, he's an angel, he's alive, he's both. So Elijah actually has to come to every Jewish circumcision to be there to show that, that the Jewish people really are, really are very good. Okay, so we're, we're trying to touch on Pinchas. We're trying to touch on Elijah, the same person, this zealot, that his way of defending God is not with an exuberance of love and emotion, but with action. And again, that's what he believes. But, but it does say that in the end, he understood that it has to be love. So my question really becomes, is love and being zealous, are those contradictions? Because a zealot seems to be violent, right? He cares about God. But does that create peace? Well, maybe, because if people stop dying and if people do what's right, so now there'll be peace between at least man and God. But am I creating that environment of love? So, again, it becomes very, very fascinating, right, exactly what's happening with Pinchas because perhaps, perhaps we can say that there's more than one way to show love. I know parents try to say, oh, tough love, tough love. And Acts is very interesting. Um, Everybody likes to quote Solomon who says, if you spare the rod, then you're spoiling the child. So therefore, I'm allowed to beat the child. But it was interesting, the last show we talked about this, the give and take, that I have to know how to give and you have to know how to take. So many of the rabbis over the years said that that kind of corporal punishment for children doesn't work. Some say it doesn't work because the child doesn't know how to relate to it. Others say the fathers can't do it because they don't know how to give it. But really what it's all about is, if my child knew that I'm doing this because I love my child, not I say the words, if my child actually knows that I care so much about him and if he does something wrong, he's hurting himself and I need to help my child not hurt himself. So that's love, right? I, was, I love my child, but there's things I have to do. Yeah, somebody was just telling me, uh, unfortunately, it's a common story, but a tragic story um, where his daughter um, is suicidal. She, she has a child, and uh, she took pills, and she got into a car, and she threatened she was going to kill herself. And, and okay, thank God her therapist got, got to her on the phone and got her to bring the car back home. And, and, and the, the, she, so the father takes her to the hospital, right? She has to go into a hospital. She has to go into a psychiatric ward because that's what she needs. But it seems so mean. How can you do it to your child? How could you call the police on your child? How could you send your child to the hospital? And, and a lot of times in these psychiatric wards, you can't really talk to them. You can't take care of them. They don't want the parents coming in. They want the nurses to take care of them. It depends which one. And he's, he's sending her uh, down south to a, to a place to rehabilitate and to, to help herself to deal with her disease. So you could do things that the child says, you're mean to me, you don't like me, you hate me. Right? But, but really, the parent just cares about the child. They, they, they want to help the child. 
the problem is sometimes the only help for the child is going to be something that will come across as as not showing love. When in truth, I am showing love. I care tremendously about you. But you're unfortunately in a situation where the only way I can really show that I love you is to do something that to the outside world, to somebody who doesn't see the whole picture, could look mean. And, right, as parents, right, our job is to be parents. Not always can we be best friends. We like to be best friends. Nice to be best friends. We can't always be best friends. We, we have to do stuff. So going back to that verse of, you know, spare the rod, spare the child. So, again, overall, fathers don't know how to hit because they're angry. Oh, you're angry? So you're hitting the kid because you're angry. You're not, you, you might claim Somebody told me I had a teacher years ago. The teacher was just, I think the teacher actually hit him. Okay, nowadays that doesn't happen. But way back when, it seems teachers could get away with it. So when he went to speak to the teacher years later, the teacher got so angry at him. And the teacher was trying to defend himself. And it's a little bit indefensible. But if I know that you care about me and you only want me to have a good life and you only want me to serve God properly and you only want me to get the rewards that are going to come my way, if I truly believe that that's what you want, then if you have to hit me, I'm fine. But how do I know? Is there a way you can show me that I can feel that this is real? And that's rather difficult. Therefore, the fathers don't know how to show it overall and the children don't know how to take it Overall, so therefore you can't really do it. You have to come up with another way of disciplining, of, of however you're going to, consequences and whatever they call it nowadays. Because it's a, you call it a lost art. But maybe that's really what's going on with Pinchas over here. Pinchas loves the Jewish people. He cares about the Jewish people. If he didn't care about the Jewish people, it could be him and God, and everybody else can go jump off a lake, jump off a bridge. You can't jump off a lake. It was in a lake last night. Everybody go jump off a bridge, right? Because I don't care about you. Me and God have a good relationship. The rest of you guys can do whatever you want. No, Benchis cares so deeply about the Jewish people. He's going to do stuff that almost everybody else would look at and say, oh, you're a murderer. Oh, who do you think you are? Do you really think you're so zealous? Right. Pinchas can make it not rain for three years because he has to help the Jewish people because he cares deeply about the Jewish people. He's going to go to every circumcision because he cares so much about the Jewish people. Very good. But how do you know? So again, that's why the concept of somebody being zealous and doing things the way Pinchas did it, those people are really, really more than few and far between. It, they're almost, it's almost unheard of. Simply because it's just too easy. It's just too easy for so many of us to look at that person, and probably rightfully so, and say, he says this is why he's doing it. Or she, by the way. right? He or she says, this is why I'm acting this way. I'm doing it for your benefit. Are you sure? Maybe it's because you're angry. Maybe because you're jealous. Maybe there's something else involved. Maybe you had a bad morning. Maybe you didn't have your cup of coffee. It could be a lot of reasons. So, so therefore, um, we don't get to talk about the idea of, of dealing with zealousness. And therefore, uh, the way we want to deal with things, of course, with love, which is 
what every high priest is supposed to, doing, supposed to be doing. That's Aaron, the priest. That's what he's doing. That Aaron was all love all the time. And that's why whenever you hear about people, you read stories about those people that can affect change in others, almost always it's people that have an overabundance of love for their friends, relatives, neighbors, or just people they meet in the street. There are people like that. And here comes the music. And this is really just the, the perfect concept of what we're trying to discuss. It's the period of three weeks. The, te- the temple was destroyed because of baseless hatred. And our job is to bring it back with love. And the music is playing. As always, I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you to the wonderful sponsor listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the wonderful production team. We have David, Kelsey, and Al in the back. I hope you have left food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and Amos Streamcastle. Next time, don't forget to think about it.